Thank you for joining us on the next segment of SHIPS, which stands for SHIPS History, Influence, and Power Series. My name is Amy Bachari, and I'm the Education Director at the Steamship Historical Society. And today we're going to be talking with Cecilia Cassidy about her experience on a student ship. Hi, Cecilia. How are you doing today? I'm good. Fine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Can you start by telling us when you were born and where? I was born August 20th, 1948, in Brooklyn, New York. What made you decide to take a student ship? The price. <laughs> I, I had been studying in England um, for a semester abroad at the Fairleigh Dickinson University campus in Roxton, England, in Roxton Banbury, England. And I was an English major, a poor English major. <laughs> I, had, I had waitressed at Macy's in White Plains, New York to uh, be able to go over to England. And I had a summer job with Aer Lingus, actually, as a ground hostess at Kennedy Airport. I was able to fly over to England for, for the courses that, that I was signed up for but I didn't have a way back. And my uh, classmate from um, the college, the original college that I went to, we were both at Fairleigh Dickinson University for this uh, semester abroad. And so my, um, my college roommate found this ship and um, the, the Aurelia. And she, she made all the arrangements, luckily, because I made all the arrangements for Aer Lingus, and so she took care of the, the way back. That's how I just happened to end up on the, on the SS Aurelia. It was the last voyage. The Aurelia was put in mothballs <laughs> upon our return to New York. That's the kind of ship that it was. It was on its last legs. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about what life was like on the ship? Do you remember... Any details about what the ship was like, maybe the public spaces in the cabin, things like that? Years later, after this voyage, my cousin actually was involved with the Steamship Society, and he arranged a crossing on the QE2. And the details of the QE2 are much more memorable to me than the details of the Aurelia, you know, 50 years ago, because truly it was kind of like a rowboat <laughs> compared, <laughs> compared to um, the QE2. So the details of the ship was pretty simple. Uh, you know, we, we had cabins, we had meals, which were not, um, you know, QE2 style. <laughs> and, and it was mainly the company of 2,000 students all coming together after having spent either a year or a semester abroad and having all kinds of life-changing experiences. So my memory is not so much of the ship itself, but of the environment that was created by all those students who had had, you know, eye-opening adventures. You know, I was in England for six months, going back and forth to the theater in London, 
studying whatever plays were at the Royal Shakespeare Theater, going to parties with the actors who were in those plays. It was just this amazing, amazing time. And, and I think that was probably true of many of the students who were on that ship. They had just emerged from these life-changing experiences. I don't mean to say the ship itself was secondary, to the excitement that was felt. You know, there was just excitement in the air. Oh my goodness, we're going back to the States. And the States were in turmoil. This voyage that we took was in June of 1969. And in April of 1969, there had been a, a huge protest on the campus of Cornell University. And that was just six weeks, six, seven, eight weeks before we boarded the ship. So everybody was talking about that, but, you know, we'd had these intellectually eye-opening experiences while we were in England or in other countries in Europe. The talk on the ship was about, wow, what is it going to be like when we get back away from these adventures? Because that was another adventure that was ahead of us. Let's say it was not luxury quarters on the Aurelia. And we didn't care because, you know, at that time, students hitchhiked a lot to get around. Years later, the group that I was with had a marvelous, marvelous time. And we would have many reunions afterward. And so we'd meet students who were also at Fairleigh Dickinson's, Roxton College. And we'd ask them, you know, where they hitchhiked to? They said, hitchhike? We don't hitchhike. We have a bus that takes us around. You're like, oh my goodness, you're such spoiled brats. <laughs> I think it was the end of an era of um, that students from the United States could just travel in, I'll say in very primitive ways, but you met more people when you hitchhiked. You had more of a sense of people in the country. So on the Aurelia, we felt like we were hitchhiking across the ocean. <laughs> made friends with other students who um, did not live as protected lives as I did. I, I lived in the 16th century abbey that was the home of Lord North during the American Revolution. So we lived with all these knights in shining armor and you know, around the, the staircase. It was exhilarating to compare notes with other students who had been in Europe in, in non-English speaking countries. So I can't report on the, on the, on the quality of the food or the, um, the furniture. There were pr primitive bunk beds in our rooms. And, and we didn't care, it was part of the adventure. And it was the last legs for the Aurelia. <laughs> I wonder, you talked about it being kind of a tumultuous time in the U.S. Did your experience abroad and your time with other students who had spent time abroad sort of shape how you viewed what was happening in the U.S. at that time? Oh, yes. I mean, and not just in the U.S. I mean, um, I had gone to public schools in New York through my whole education. And then I went to a women's Catholic college in Westchester County. And was shocked at how protected those girls were. 
So to be with broader thinking people really changed my attitude about, well, I, I don't know that I had a bad attitude. I wanted to widen my horizons because it was quite confining to be at a women's Catholic college in 1969. <laughs> it was, I always said travel broadens and that's the purpose of, of exploring the world. Even though I went to an English speaking world because it was, it was easier, you know, it's easier to navigate. So yes, it, it, it changed me and everybody in my class I think to be exposed to other cultures and to the beauty of the language, you know, that the study of Shakespeare um, brought to us. Yeah, it, it changed my life and, and everybody in, in my class. And we would have reunions, not, not with people on the ship, but like people on the ship who had just been through a life-changing experience. And, um, my daughter was born a few years after I uh, returned. I immediately brought her on a, a three-month car trip cross country. <laughs> you know, and that shaped her. Were there any sort of memorable experiences from the ship that you can think of during the voyage? Well, it was 1969. And I did come from a Catholic background. So there were some wild guys on the ship and there was a little bit of drugs on the ship that I was vaguely aware of not participating. That was one thing that, you know, I didn't want to participate in, but I had some friends on the ship who had experiences with their roommates that, that they were just assigned to a, a cabin with people that had questionable habits. <laughs> so this leads to the experience of my father. My father worked for the United States Customs Service and he was assigned to Kennedy Airport. That's how I came to work for Irish Airlines because he found me, um, he found all of his children jobs that he could keep his eye on them, you know, at the International Arrivals Building. That was a wonderful experience too, you know, to work for Irish Airlines, which is how I happened to fly over with them. But the Port Authority has authority over the airport, the international airport and the international arrivals of um, the sailing ships. So unbeknownst to me, he got himself assigned to process the passports of the students on the Aurelia. And I didn't know this. It's such a wonderful experience to sail into New York Harbor amongst the skyscrapers. So I was hanging over the railing with um, some friends I knew and some of their, some of their questionable roommates that, you know, they, they were not necessarily their friends, but, you know, by virtue of who they were assigned to bunk with, I have always been able to identify because, because my eyesight is not great. Um, I've always been able to identify people by their stance and you know how the, everybody's stance and ha how they walk is like a signature. So I'm leaning over the railing, looking at, at the tugboat from the uh, Coast Guard that is approaching the ship. I'm looking, looking, looking. I said, oh my God. That's my father. 
<laughs> so these guys of questionable activity said to me, that's your father? And they split like, you know, rats on a ship. <laughs> they just disappeared. So my father climbs up on the rope ladder and I say, daddy, oh my goodness, this is such a surprise. And those guys were out of sight. You know, they did not want uh, someone who's going to be inspecting their passports or their bags or whatever. So it was very funny. And it was, it was so wonderful to see my father, you know, come at that moment. So then when he was finished with his duties, we, we left the ship together. And he told me some family news. Uh, a very close uncle had, had just passed away in the previous two weeks. And I was on the ship and uh, he couldn't contact me. And so it, it just struck me about, you know, what it means to be so far away from, from family, you know, when there's a, a family event. The ocean seemed very big, and there was there's sort of this um, joke on board the Aurelia that there was a, a mail a mail ship that would deliver mail to us while we were mid ocean. So day by day, people were waiting for this mail ship to show up, and of course, it never did. So there was no way that I would have gotten that news anyway. So that was a, a joyful, a joyful moment, you know, to have my father go to that effort. I can't imagine what it's like to get a reassignment from from the airport to um, to the harbor. It couldn't have been easy. So I'm sure he had to pull a lot of strings to make that happen. But it was a moment of joy aboard the Aurelia for my homecoming. I got yeah. a little teary eyed. Honestly, um, <laughs> was there any seasickness or did anybody, did you encounter any bad weather? Was anybody around you feeling seasick? N not that I recall. On the QE2 there was, because we traveled the route of the, this, this was the centennial crossing. So we traveled the route of the Titanic in December. There were rough waters. They even had to change course. And so my cousin, he had um, said that there's something that you can chew. I didn't get seasick. And I didn't get seasick on the Aurelia because it was uh, that, that um, sail was in June. The weather was pretty good. There weren't any storms or anything. Whereas on the QE2, they closed the doors to the outside deck because it was too dangerous. It's like, oh dear. And no, and no such thing happened on the Aurelia. Did you have any last thoughts or any other memories from the ship or that time you wanted to share? Well, just generally, I mean, encourage students to travel. You know, ship travel is, is an adventure in itself. You know, for some people, it might be the, the quality of the food. Let me assure you that was not the case on the student ship. <laughs> so, but it's um, just to cross an ocean is an awesome experience. It's just awesome. 
it gives you an appreciation for the size of the earth, for the composition of the earth. And especially, you know, this is 52 years after, you know, that first crossing. And now, you know, our oceans and our environment are, um, have to be paid attention to. And it's just awe-inspiring about how big the ocean is. And to travel across it, no matter how mild the weather, it's just, it's just awesome and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Just standing alone as an experience, as opposed to, you know, just being a journey between two very different environments. It's, it's well, 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 well worthwhile. And uh, to spend time on the railings, as opposed to all the, enter the entertainment that's available, you know, on, on the ships. The ocean itself is just awe-inspiring. It, it just has no words. You actually reminded me when you were talking about that, that I forgot to ask one other question, which was, do you recall were there activities planned on board or games or things for the students to do while you were at sea? Well, there were, um, there were a lot of educational activities. So um, more lectures than games. Or maybe I was just a dullard that, <laughs> you know, there were no volleyball courts or anything like that. So I remember uh, signing up for a German course because um, there are a lot of German speaking people on the, on the ship. That was the main thing that I remember, you know, taking uh, a German course. But there were lots of discussion groups about politics and geography and history that were, you know, educational and about easing back into American culture after having had such an experience as we had and coming to the United States two weeks after the riots at Cornell. Oh my goodness. It was, it was a little scary. Because, because, you know, certainly in England, you know, our experience was just idyllic. <laughs> you know, it's just idyllic. Tea served at four o'clock every afternoon. And the Beatles had just cut their album at Abbey Road. And so there was a little television this big. And we'd all crowd into the room to watch Paul and crew saying, get back, like every week. <laughs> and they didn't have that on the Aurelia, I'm sorry to say, you know. <laughs> I'm not sorry yeah. to say because, you know, it's no. like rough, roughing it on the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that's an experience yeah. in and of itself. I think all college yeah. students go through that in some way or another. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was a great, great experience on board the ship. I mean, it was a great way to end a grand adventure. We really appreciated it. And then, you know, my father's greeting was the icing on the cake. Thank you very much for joining us and sharing your story with us. Well, thank you.